all streaming platforms now. I grew up not being a very good businessman. I grew up with a lot of good intentions and hoping that people naturally have the same good intentions. I grew up in the church environment. So there's a level of peace and honesty and credibility that came with that environment. And I went straight from that environment to the industry that was totally opposite, right? And growing up, there's been this strong message of don't change yourself, don't dilute yourself. So I tried to stay the same way that I knew how to be, you know, and unfortunately I was taking, taking advantage of over and over again, you know, and, but I guess the strength in me was not letting that slow me down. I guess for every time I took an L, I was quick to appreciate it and figure out what's next. Now, I'll give you a quick analogy. I started throwing parties and just before my party phase looked like it was about to die, I discovered Dami Crane, who gave me a new ginger into time management, right? Dami Crane did, what happened to Dami Crane happened. Both of us were childish at the time, right? But before me and Dami Crane split, I met Vector through working with Dami Crane, right? And then Dami Crane and I split and then Vector came along. But I built that connection through Dami Crane, right? I met Jimmy Jack through Vector. Just before Vector split, Jimmy Jack took me on, right? So the way I kind of see things or the way I've been looking at things really is like to see the positive in every side. Like if Dami, if I didn't work with Dami, I probably wouldn't have met Vector on the level that I met him. I would have met him, but he wouldn't have had proof of work to want me immediately, if that makes any sense. So I took the experiences and the access and everything that came with each phase over the money and I moved with it, you know. And I guess that's why I could always move to the next thing without dwelling too much or not even letting how the last person treated me affect how I deal with the next person, you know. And so... Yeah, so at this time, I was done mentally. I was done with MTech as I'd seen what MTech could show me with the numbers. And unfortunately, the vast game at the time was not advancing. So I knew that was kind of like the end of that industry and there was nothing there for me. The one game that got me really excited about the partnership fell off. So I was just like, oh, man, there's really not much for me here anymore. So I started shopping. However, bear in mind, I'd come from no income and no income and just streets figuring it out when the shark comes skip it when it doesn't come well you know to having your money drop every 26th of the month for two years so my life had i don't go balance more so i'm like oh no i'm not gonna go back into this uncertainty pool that i'm coming from after these two years of stability so i was like deliberating this should i should i not but the good thing was that mtech was my first actual corporate job so i wasn't scared to go back into the streets i was kind of like already molded for the streets although it wasn't paying i kind of already knew how to yeah not get frustrated no you know that's all i needed to figure out was the cash part of it you know so i kept on going and I resigned and then one day, I can't remember, someone hit me up and said I should meet them up at Hard Rock. And then I got to Hard Rock and then there was this conversation going on. I couldn't quite piece what was going on, but I could tell something was going on. And I saw MI and a bunch of other people. And shortly after, one of music called me and said, listen, 
we closed the merger with Chuck ACT. This was what meant to happen with MTech at the time, but due to one or two things, I think the CC pitch was more ready for them to go with. And they were like, listen, we like all the stuff that you showed us at MTech. I don't know if your head is there. Like, we're looking for somebody that can come and join this, our Nigerian partnership and show some things. And I mean, I'm just like, when I was asking me if my head is there, I don't understand. Like, my head has been there since <laughs> when I we resuming. You know, so quickly the lady was like, "Ah, cool. You know what? Because obviously there's this partnership with Chocolate City, and I'm working in Nigeria. I have to work with Chocolate City and resume with Chocolate City, but report to them." So I'm like, mm. "I didn't really like the idea, but I'm just like, give me a better salary because MTech for me, I was wearing shirt and trousers every day. There was dress code. I must wear shoes, trousers. You're only allowed to wear polo." t-shirts and tried on fridays and my jeans and slippers but you know <laughs> so so that two years was like i mean babcock again but in lagos for me you know so there was a lot of things about the environment i'm just like oh more okay cool but it was good bread for my first job like it was really good bread so i told one i said listen if you can match what these guys are paying me I'm not down for this. And I told one straight, I'll tell you the reasons why I'm leaving MTech. It's not money, because they've not sacked me. I said, this dress code P is stressful for the environment in itself. It's stressful for me. I'm not a 95 guy. MTech, I resume 7 a.m. in the morning and close 4 p.m. If you resume 7.15, you're late. But if you resume before 7.05, you get 1,000 naira every day. So for every month, if you come home, come to the office early, you get free 30 something K to your salary. It felt like school. But anyway, when one gave me the offer, they said, okay, you know what, three working days a week, you know, deliverables versus attendance, if that makes any sense. And that's kind of like where where my head wanted to go. And I'm just like, okay, you're saying more like my kind of stuff. So we started talking about the roles, deliverables and stuff. And after a while, they introduced me to the CC guys out there and four and we got cash negotiation. That took a minute. Because they didn't want to pay what I, what I was asking for, but what I wanted to pay. Shah finally found a midpoint, you know, and then started the job. Yes, so I resumed as head AR for Chocolate City One Music at the time. And in like three months, I was promoted to vice president. And I mean, um, so I was VP AR for a minute, for a year. And we started that, and for me, that was another level of opening. Now, for those who know me really well, people know that my my relationship with that, that working environment is kind of here and there, um, particularly on the Nigerian side. However, there were a lot of good things that came out of that experience for me. Firstly, was it was my first time working with an actual music primary music business company if that makes any sense mtech was a primary technology company music was just an industry that they had advantages in and they were providing tech solutions for the music industry right but one uh, on our normal on the first and another end was or is a music business primarily first off right so i got in there as vpnr and for the first time i saw this many staff working under a record label and i'm like 
what are you all of you guys doing? You have two offices, one in Uked, one in Bagada, one in Onyoro. I'm just like this. It looked like a lot. Like how many people are working one record? Like it didn't make sense to me, you know. So when I came in, I started like building systems and structures and started training us and all of that stuff. So I did a bunch of like seminars, trainings. They built like this network of ARs across the Wanna platform across the world. So I had direct access to Wanna ARs from different territories for whatever productive conversations were required. So I started seeing like the music business structure firsthand, and for me. I was looking at MTech numbers as local sales, ring back tunes and stuff like that. I started seeing global iTunes, Spotify, streaming numbers. They were not as crazy as they are now, but I started seeing them in real time. You know, and then TikTok came about, Trailer came about, just how all of these things pieced together. Under the label, my first project at the time under the label was CK's project. Actually, before CK, we had a first task to streamline the roster, right? Because Chocolate City at the time had like, I can't remember how many artists, but they had their artists under the roster that were not really quite doing much. They were just, I don't know what it was, but they just had that many artists. And there was probably only MI or somebody else really doing anything. So I was like, we don't need this much weight on the roster. Shut this thing down to three, four people at best. And give everybody what you can and let's push, you know. So we had a group of Yoruba rappers called the Street Billionaires, three boys and one girl. We shortlisted them and picked up only the girl. She's Candy Bleaks now. She's pretty much blowing on the streets. Um, there was CK, there was Dice, there was MI. MI pretty much wasn't really our problem because he was already sorted. There was Black Bones. And I guess that was pretty much it. That's how we kind of like restricted the roster. So CK, Black Bones, Dice, and Candy. And then we had one girl in development. So we started pushing and then, obviously, history. CK had dropped Container Don't Land before I joined the label, like two, three years before. Song had done viral damage. And then the year I joined, they had dropped a song called Way. Way is a song with him and Lambo, DJ Lambo. And the song had already done its thing as well. Clarence Peter shot this really sick video. And the song was topping charts, but... Because of the kind of song it was, it topped charts for like six weeks, eight weeks, and just naturally just started coming down. New releases, ETC, right? And at that time, we we're trying to figure out there was a big void with CK's brand because he was making music. We're not quite sure his sound because he had different kinds of songs coming up. He didn't necessarily have an image or a style or a brand. We we're still trying to figure all of this out. All we had was his music. And the music wasn't one way. It was like, the guy is, is musically a genius. I give it to him. So he had like all kinds of weird, weirdly sounding things and different kinds of genres. I'm like, we need to find what is your primary. Yeah. And then now we show everybody your skills after, but we need to get your go-to first. You know, so we tried, 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 tried. We're dropping songs, recording songs. Nothing was... Nothing was giving us the chills, you know. And so my department, I think, and this is what I was saying about the beautiful thing about the system is we had departments for literally almost everything as far as is concerned. There was a digital marketing department that was run by Moyo. Moyo was in charge of everything, digital marketing, YouTube ads, uh, search engine, sponsored ads, all that stuff. Integrating with TikTok, trailer, anything that had to do with digital campaigns fell under Moyo's desk. 
Amir had a team working under him, right? There was a content team headed by Shimo Miss, and that was photographer, videographer, graphics guy, editor, all of those stuff were working for him. So viral content, behind the scenes, that way, that, those were his guys. Then there was my department, A&R. Um, we were about six. Each artist had a dedicated A&R, and then I oversaw everything. So Sik is A&R, she here to those sound amazing guy. He had been extremely on CK's project, but the label wasn't kind of hearing him at the time because of what the structure was. So when I came in, I guess I was a bit more accessible to him. So still would come and just be singing all kinds of CK updates in my ear. I'm like, bro, slow down. Like, I'm trying to get my foot in here. I, I understand your passion for your artist, but you know, but she them in rest. You can't report me to see you, report me to, this guy's not answering me. Blah. So after a while, I just like, okay, you know what? I'll give this guy some more attention. I'll bet. What do you want? You know, so he kept on telling me, you know, boss, this CK sound that we're talking about, you know, it's not so hard. I think we can crack it. I think I have the idea. But I'm like, okay, what? And it's like, CK put out a project before I joined. That way was a part of that project, the song they were pushing. And apparently, Love Hunting Team was also part of that project. Right? But everyone had dropped the project, pushed away, and had moved on from the project. And Shei was like, boss, go back to that EP and listen to that song, Love One Team That, in my opinion, that is CK's default. And I was like, hmm, send me the, the project. And he sent it to me. And it took me some days. I was listening to the thing over and over and over and over again. And I realized from that project, Way was the only pop-like sounding song. But because he had dropped container that was also pop like that's the label was naturally going to go that direction that's not his sound business yeah so they were going away and she was like i think this is his natural sound so we had all kinds of conversations and say you know what let's get into a writing camp let's look these guys in the studio let them just just be making music so we started doing camps for all the artists everybody was making music we're happy with some we're not happy with some Guys came up with pimping, smash hits were like Dice and Olamide, drop that one. CK were trying to figure out what to do with CK, trying so hard. Black Bones was going, we shut up. Like, Black Bones was like, like an automatic machine. That one just drops and blows by himself. We just follow up bits, basically. So we're trying to crack the CK code. We force CK to go and show the Black Bones, open before Black Bones, then, then Black Bones will perform. But people don't really know who it was. So, like, on this. Batman and Robin thing is not working. We kind of need to have CK have his own thing. Otherwise, Black Moon, because of how active he is, would drown CK. So, one had already just injected some funds and some resources. So, CC was like, you know what? Let's go on some media tour, take CK and Black Moon to Ghana, do some media, take them to the UK, do some media, blah, blah. So, I said, all right, cool. They went to Ghana. I went straight to London and they were coming to meet me in London. So, when they got to Ghana, I think Black Bones, I can't remember the exact story. They got into the studio with some artists in Ghana. Just, you know how artists do the play me your song, let me play my song before we now decide what we're going to make. Do you get what I mean? So, CK played his song. I don't even think it was his session. It probably was Black Bones' session, but it was just everybody just play music. And CK played that Love One City song. And Kwame Eugene just jumped in the booth. And I was like, what the hell is this song? And he got in the booth and just dropped a verse. Immediately, she sent me the verse. I just landed in London. I heard this verse. I was like, huh? What is this? 
who is this guy? This guy gave us some sweet Ghanaian, mad, unassuming vibes on the verse. I'm like, damn, like, this is what I'm talking about. This sounds like a sick remix. We didn't even have lyrics in mind at the time. Like, damn, this sounds sick. So, because obviously part of our strategy was we had already decided if Love Man is a sound, then he's a lover boy. You're a lover boy, Tiki, ladies man, this is your brand. However, that's going to look, we'll figure it out, right? So, I said, okay, whatever features you're going to be doing has to be somebody who's got the ladies man audience ahead of you. So, you can be buying real fans rather than just doing features for features sake. So, after we got coming, you said, okay, who's got this ladies? market in Nigeria I can get on this record. We shall now everything now to Jobo because Jobo was flames at the time. My baby, nobody, all those songs are hot. So Jobo and CK have a relationship. CK reached out to him, Jobo did it. Myself and his label had relationships. So we cleared on the side, did the song. Fresh remix came out. Love wanting team remix. Dropped the song. Boom. Song just started creeping into everywhere. Like the original never dropped before. I was like, okay, the song is doing this thing. Okay. So they end up in London. Now, what set up media rounds for them in the UK, Shopsy was a huge part of this. And 90% of the calls we'll get, we'll call media houses and be like, we have CK and Black ones in town for media rounds, blah, 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 blah. And at least 70% of the responses were like, oh, Black Bones, bring him, bring him, bring him. You said, who's the other guy again? He said, oh, we have CK in town. I'm like, CK. I'm not really quite familiar with him. I'm like, okay, don't worry. Just hold on a second. I'll send you his stuff. So I'll send Love on Tete and send the stuff. And I'm like, oh, I don't know this guy, but his music is dope. Bring him. We'd like to talk to him. That's how CK got into most of the interviews. Because Bagmos was already raving a sensation from here. Social media was already doing crazy skits. People already knew for the dumbest things. You know, even Semtex in London was like, DMing Black Bones. I want to see you before you leave. So like, there was a lot of attention on Black. People... They didn't even know who CK was. So after we had done this, shop scene himself had seen the reaction from the media in the UK saying, this boy is musical. He's dope, but the media just don't know of him yet. So shop said, you know what, let's go to one of these big malls in the UK. CK can play the keyboard. So we got into one of these malls. It was actually CK and shop And CK told him, just play Beethoven, play some cool classic. And CK went on the keyboard and said, you know, and then the whole mall just gathered and Shopsy filmed it. And then we used that as content again. Just used it to spike like the UK media. And they were like, oh, who's this kid? And they started re- re- researching his music. And then he got into certain media conversations. He came back to Nigeria. Now, obviously, because we had done those media rounds in Ghana and in the UK, there are certain OAPs that were plugged in consciously to Black and CK. So that evidently helped the music push. Come back to Nigeria, Love Wanting Team Remix is doing a whole madness by itself. Obviously, we're pushing it. We've called it somehow, we've called all the DJs, we've plugged the DJs, we've plugged everything we can plug, but it's not a natural Ninja heat. So we're just like, let's do what we can, just, let's just push it sharp. Then we're going into clubs, they're playing Love Wanting Team in the club. I'm like, okay, if they can play this song in the club, people can do, uh, 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 so one will call me and say, hey, VPN, now, how far? Where's our next single? What's going on? You guys are spending two months on this record. What's going on? Normally, no madness. I'm going to give us some time, boys in the studio is recording. Give us some time, boys in the studio is recording. One month, give us some time, boys in the studio is recording. My VP is like, come, you just joined this company. Are you stalling? I, 
did we bring the right person? Like, what's going on? You've sat on one record for like how long? And I'm like, not intentional. What these boys have been recording, I don't think can follow up with this jam. However, this jam in itself, every time we push, it responds so quickly. So I'm like, I don't think we should move on from this one so quick. Let's see what we can do with it. You know, one day we wake up, Winnie Hollow has done a challenge on TikTok to the song, random, because we had plugged. So Sean, oh, Mr. Content Guy, had plugged. He knows all the top influencers to do what we So he had plugged them, Chop Daily, Sarah Chips, and all those dancers on the song. I think Sarah Chips had done this routine that Winnie Hollow then copied. Right. Obviously, when he had a bit like a hot topic, the thing took a life of his own. We woke up one morning just so with the TikTok and I called one. I'm like, oh, I don't know how this thing happened though. I don't know when he had before, but here goes. Please plug in. And when I was like, damn, this is definitely conversation. They did global press, did some small, small plugins to it. The thing spiraled from there. COVID hit. Everybody's on lockdown. One day we were watching IG Live. Diddy's kids are on Diddy's actual IG live, but it's his kids, not him. They go on his IG live and they're on IG live with Winnie Harlow and they're putting each other onto new music. Dad, they'll play the song, everybody will jump to the song, and then it was Winnie's time. And she was like, Oh, I need to put you guys onto this song. And she played Love One Thing on Diddy's live, unprovoked. So you could tell that she had bought into the song naturally. And then the kids were asking her, what song is this? And she would say, love, she would pronounce the thing one kind. She just spelled it for them. And obviously, in spelling, the Diddy's live is like, how many people tuned in? So you are putting this song onto whoever is watching, right? So we took that again, sent it to one and one more. On Diddy's live, we love one thing, thing is slamming. We don't know why I go and push this thing. When I pushed it, thing went again. I'm like, this song just keeps giving us green for everything we do for it. It pushes. So Mayo Kong, I think, dropped Gang the same period. And I put out a remix project for Gang that I'd done like different territories, East Africa, West Africa, whatever. But I guess because of the kind of song it was, it didn't it didn't hit it hit here, but the remixes in all those territories didn't really smash. So Shay once again, Restless AR comes to me the next morning. Boss, man, I just saw this thing that Mayo Kong did with this gang remix. I mean, I think. It's a good idea, but it didn't pop. But can you imagine this CK's so beautiful, so easy love song in different languages? And I'm just like, hmm. Literally, I was just like, hmm, okay, not bad. So I sent an email to one I'd like to create idea. We've seen this mail thing. We want to do this love on Tintin EP tape. And on first read, I was like, nope, sorry, we're not down with it. This just feels like another store. Bro, are you giving us a new song? Are you getting out of this place? Like, what the hell is this? Like, how far? You want to die on this song? Basically, natural reaction. So I'm like, nah, man. I just feel like this song has more to give us. Like, it's not even a feeling. It's there on the sheets. Like, for every one hour you put, it, the song cuffs it back. So let's let's see how far we can push this thing. While we, and it wasn't even like it was intentional. We actually recording but we weren't satisfied with anything we're recording so it's like while well, we're still recording let's keep failing this right so when i rejected 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 and i went back to the vp timmy because timmy and i had a really good relationship so i called him i'm like man this is what i'm thinking this is what i have in mind blah 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 timmy being a risk taker always believes and she was like okay you know what and she cleared me she was even the one that leveled with me i said dog like 
you just came in. This is how Warner sees this thing. They are not sure if you're the right guy for the job because, like, one win and you're just, you're like, you want to sit on a kind of, so I'm like, okay, fair, I'm good. So when I got that perspective, I was like, so what can you do for me? Based off of, let's find a midpoint. Timmy was like, okay, you know what? I'll give you two weeks. Make this thing happen in two weeks and I'll make a case for you. Two weeks. Now, when Timmy says, make this thing happen, she means get your records, get your features, get the stems, get your clearances, get your split sheets. Because labor, they don't want to hear nonsense that you released one song, somebody's coming for them. So get everything from beginning to end. Then come and meet when they are ready in two weeks. So I'm like, yeah, in two weeks. I'm like, okay, let's try. So I call Shiyomo. We kind of have a green, it's not even green light, yellow light. I said, let's try. But depending on how far we go, you know, at the time I was working with Copy. I was helping her do her project, original Copy, her album. So Copy had called me and said, I should come to the studio to listen to some stuff she'd done. You know, so I got into the studio. She played Jalop on the jet. I just finished the song. And then the song was playing. And then Rema came, Rema came on and I was like, okay, Rema. The song was slapping and then the second verse came on and the song dropped. I wish I could play for you. And then this guy came in in Swahili. The beat dropped and this guy just came in. I'm just like, wait, 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 pause. What is this? A couple was laughing. She played it again. I was like, damn, who is this guy? She was like, some guy called Ravani. I'm like, huh, Ravani? Never heard of him till that day. So I went on my YouTube straight, Googled the guy, Ravani, went on his YouTube, saw streams, guys on millions of views. I'm just like, so this guy's an actual big deal. He's not even just one artist that he discovered from somewhere. We just don't know about him because he's not in our territory. So I'm like, copy, please. I need you to put me onto this guy. I'm working on a project, a remix project for a record from one I didn't even tell her who he was. We may feel like a record for one and I'm trying to do like territorial remixes. And she was like, okay, I don't talk to Ravani directly, but my guy, Colin, is the one who helped me do it. So I'm like, okay, cool. She put me in touch with Colin. Now, obviously, Colin being referred to me by a copy took me a bit more seriously. So he called me. I was like, what exactly are you trying to do? Are you sure it's a one-up project? I don't want to go and get all these remixes done now. I won't get proper marketing. So I was like, yeah, so one-up, blah, blah, blah. So I explained everything to Colin. Colin was like, oh, dope. So Colin goes and comes back and sends me an email saying, okay, I can get you, Ravani, but check out this guy in in South Africa, Germany Major, and check out Shego. There's two guys from South Africa. I checked them out, both doing their streams as well. So I'm like, I don't mind. So Colin got me three guys. Ravani dropped his verse in less than 24 hours. Shego and Germany dropped their verse like the next day. So we had already done the West African with Joe Boy and Comedy and I was out. We had South Africa. And we had East Africa all done. This was less than week one. So on like day two, I had three verses done, three remixes done. So maybe I sent it to Timmy, just like, we're not done yet, too, but just so you know that we're moving. So really, Timmy searched, was like, oh, three already. Like, okay, nice one. Yeah. So I wake up Monday morning. Timmy had sent me an email. Check your mail. I checked my mail. The Delaghetto. Apparently, Larry Gaga has a song with him and Ajaboris last now, 2019. Timmy called De La Ghetto, put him on the record. De La Ghetto, for context, is probably one of the biggest streaming artists in Latin America. The whole Latin America, Spanish side. So, when Timmy heard De La Ghetto's verse, she heard Love One Titi in Spanish. She 
herself should not have married. When she sent it, she was like, listen to this thing. When I heard it, I was like, then I went on Spotify, I saw the guy's streams, I was like, please, thank you. And then that was four remixes. Then Timmy went on, like nobody sent a message, went to Ganga Franglish. Franglish is one of the biggest black French artists in France. Got Franglish on a French remix. We got two German remixes. And then we had like seven or eight remixes done. This was, we're not up to week two. We're not gotten to week two yet. So now at this point, me, I'm chasing clearances because I already have enough verses to put out the remix. So I'm like, Shei, oh yeah, start chasing all the stems, everything. We start chasing all the clearances back to back. I think Joe Boy them gave us the hardest start with clearance, but we should have did all the clearances. Next thing, somebody DM'd CK, some guy called El Grande Toto, he's a Moroccan artist. I said to CK, yeah, your song is doing crazy in Morocco. I did recover to it. I wanted to put it out just for two. I mean, Kotsi just DM you. And CK just sent it to the group saying, hey, this guy just DM me saying he did a cover to the song. What do you guys think? And I'm just like, dog, tell him I'm not doing covers. I'm going to get into the studio. Record this properly. Record an actual verse. We are working on a remix project. And CK said, the guy, the guy, the guy just came back with an actual verse. And that's how we got Morocco added to it so we had like eight versions of the remix project took it to Warner. Warner pushed it out after obviously all the clearances and everything when i pushed it out and for me that was my first experience of a real-time global release bro all Warner offices carried this ck song i was seeing posts from Warner peru Warner colombia Warner india it was the first time we had a global release where every song, the song was being pushed across territories, right? So we had this song that was so sweet. Imagine a chorus like, ah, 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 very easy, simple. And they had that chorus with somebody singing the intentions of the love song in the language that you understand, right? So the song broke easily in different territories, easily. The East African one, Rivani's version was even had more views on YouTube than CK's version. We had to like sync it to just be able to control the streams, you know? So when I look back, four years after the song has been released and the song is doing crazy numbers and people are like, damn, CK's love one thing, thing. I think back and I'm like, we did this thing, man. We actually did because there was a lot of work that went into putting out that record. And I remember for me, the beautiful thing was seeing how all the different elements fit together because we'll sit down in music meetings on Mondays and when a new song drops, naturally, we we go down the um, the charts like Apple Music, Spotify, we go down. And then Moya is like, guys, two new songs have dropped. Well, now on number 58. Let's see what we can do. And we come up with a strategy in the meeting. And then after ideas are coming in, Whoever is handling TikTok is saying, oh, we can act actualize this on TikTok this way and we can do this on Twitter that way. And before the end of the meeting, we already have a holistic plan and what each person is going to go and do in their different departments to try and activate the plan. We come back next week, Monday, and we see the live results of our actions. We're back to like 40-something. Do you get it? So it's like, this thing is not rocket science. It's not, there's metrics and there's things that you need to do in it. And for me, that space was where I really, really understood this music business game from a different perspective, from the publishing, from the sync, from the licensing. I learned all of those things working directly with Warner for one year. Um, 
after that, I did that for a year and I resigned because there were some complications between the partnership between Chocolate City and Warner. And I was caught in the middle because I was reporting and working out of Chocolate City office based off of my territory, but I was reporting to Warner globally. So now there were a lot of things that were happening in Nigeria that I was caught up between, you know, like kind of like picking sides and I really just wanted to do my job. And when it started becoming like, are you here or are you there? I was just like, okay, guys, please, like, let me just go and do my thing. So I resigned and back on the streets, I've been trying to use my time to build my own agency, still consult for Warner, um, do a lot of things for them as a consultant. I'm looking to come back into the country. Hopefully we'll see how that goes. But I mean, after I left that, I, I think I had enough basic information to now do what I've been doing on the management side and on the ANR side with a lot more information, a lot more experience, with a lot more direction. You know, so I guess that brings us back to now, um, which is what we're trying to use the agency Africa to do now, use all of these experiences that I've gained from throwing parties to managing artists to making music to promoting events, promoting artists, and putting all of that under one umbrella to say, listen, as far as music and entertainment is concerned, we are your one stop shop. Like, we're not a label, but we can do literally anything a label can do for you. We're just not a label, you know, so. What I've been trying to do is use all of that years of experience put into a structure that can now not only serve the music and entertainment industry, but also serve other industries because I like to see it as if you're a talent manager or you're dealing with branding of artists and stuff like that, it's really just branding of artists, brand strategy, go to market. It's really what we do for artists. Find somebody that's got a skill or a product that doesn't know how to sell it. You help him groom him, refine him, shape him, train him let him know how to do the thing and then push him to the market every industry needs that agri politics real estate every industry right because we know the channels to get people's attention we know the influencers to use to get people's attention we know it's easy do you know what i mean like people say that other than pastors i mean in today's world i don't even know if other than pastors is right but other than pastors artists are probably the most people in the next the most religious following in terms of like they, they follow you you know and i think in today's world probably more artists have it than pastors you know so if when an industry where go to markets belongs to us you know i mean just use it well you know i mean so that's really where i am right now in this current state in my life where i'm trying to use all of my life's experiences to um make as much possible changes and impacts as I can across life in general, um, from CSR to, you know, just different things, you know. Um, I've been doing some CSR stuff for a period of time now and back in my hometown. And naturally, I go away, Ogun State. Um, another story. Um, and naturally, there have been a lot of people that have been asking me when I'm coming to declare for office right not because they care about me or they think i can run for office there's just a natural assumption in their head that when people go out of their way to do something so charitable it's only a matter of time till they come and ask for something it's a natural it's how people are kind of wired so i've been doing this csr thing back home for like four years and people are saying oh election is around the corner when i go to declare i'm like 
actually, I'm, this is not politically motivated. I'm doing what I can for my people in the capacity that I can. And that in itself for me is another message that I think I want to use this year to drive. I've been doing this CSR for four years without publicizing, without making any noise. I carry some celebrities from Lagos and go and do my thing. There's documentation of everything, but it's just not being publicized. Right? However, this year I want to publicize it for the sole purpose of this message. Now, I feel like elections are coming very much around the corner. If you and I can do the little that we can for the people around us, we are not only showing love, and I'll explain to you, we are investing in a lot of people's self-worth, and then we're saving ourselves. I'll break it down. Showing love is easy. You give them food, you give them money, you are showing love, right? Now, self-worth. You give somebody a meal, right? You do an outreach and you serve meals, free lunch, for example. Rice and meat, free. And you give these guys out of love, just go and chill with them, play with them, show them love, feed them, and then go your way. Two weeks after, three weeks after, very soon, unfortunately because of the time that we are, a politician is going to go and meet those same people. Very, very soon, shortly after. It's very likely to do the same thing that you offered them for free. And convert them to go and vote for him based off of that same thing. Now, the chances are, Shayo gave me this food for free yesterday and told me, God bless you. And I said, what do you want? And he said, no, and he went his way. Now, Michael has come tomorrow with the same food. I said, ah, as I'm giving you this food now, I must go to that place and put your thumbprint first. Shayo that gave me the food yesterday has reminded me that somebody can do this thing for me without condition. So I'm not so attached to this guy's conditioned gifts. Because somebody reminded me two weeks ago that this thing is really not that deep self-worth you've reminded them that my vote is really more than this pack of rice because somebody gave me pack of rice yesterday and they asked me for vote so do you understand i've seen videos where a certain politician sent some people to an environment to feed people and they packed them with the food that they can't chase them away because people are waking up right that's empowering them now saving ourselves the way this country is going if we're not careful the average guy on the streets is just looking for survival. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean to hurt you. It doesn't mean to hurt me. But when he's hungry and he's broke and there's nothing to do, he looks at you and he realizes that you have a car. You are okay. If I steal this iPhone from you, you're not going to lose your life. I'm paying you. And another day, couple of days, we'll buy another one. Meanwhile, from that little act of me, I fed myself and I fed my family. And snatching your phone. You've seen it and I'm a thief. I'm motivated to feed myself and my family, but there's nothing else to do than take what's available. That's where Nigeria is getting, that's where we are now. It's not even where we're getting to. We are complaining about burning people in Sokoto. They are burning somebody on Admiralty Road. It's right next to us now. You show these guys on your streets love. The day is going to happen. They may not be able to protect you, but they may be able to give you a heads up and say, bro. Can't lock yourself up with. I want to go down. Because you see, the guys they are really angry at, you can't reach them. There are 20 people deep in their convoy, guarded and bulletproof. 
So the next available target is a person driving and you that can afford to drive a Benz. It does not have V-locks behind. And they know that you are driving a 10 million car. So if they slap your phone of 300k from you, it will pain you, but you will move on with your life. Versus them and whatever it is that is burning them in the moment. And that's where we are. You know, so the message ultimately is do what you can for the people that you can around you. You can be five and do it. You're doing for yourself, you're doing for the person in front of you, you're doing for your collectively. If we wait for the people in office to do everything, nothing's gonna get done. Do what you can. So, like we have the power to amplify, for example. So this is what I'm saying. Now we have the industry. I can get one or two artists to buy into this agenda. I can get one or two artists to amplify this agenda. I can do you get what I mean? So it's really use what you have now to now create a greater and bigger cause and change in the world that you live in, you know? Because I look at myself and I say, okay, I spent a little over 10 years in the music industry, maybe not up to 15 years. And I already have one of the top three record labels in the world under my belt. So as far as the music and entertainment industry is concerned, really actually what else is there for me to do? I'm not going to become the CEO of one of music. Do you get what I mean? So I've come from the streets, not knowing what I can do or what I'm going to do. Now I'm the consultant for the top three labels in the world, in the same industry. I'm on top of the game, some way, somehow. So my next line of thought is, okay, you are, even if you're not on the top, you are very, very close to the top. Where else can we now start looking for how to add value? And, do you get what I mean? So, I mean, for me, that's really, really, really where, like, all of my experiences have led me to um, to see what I can what I can now use all of this non music music related experience for music but also away from music. for and I still refer to him in a conversation I refer to him in a lot of conversations actually just Pastor for Williams, and a lot of people don't know him, but I refer to him and I say there's, there's this one man that I had in my life and I still have, and he played a role so very crucial in my life, and I believe that he played that same role in a lot of young lives at the time. And I was a very troubled kid, a lot of people don't know. I was a very, very extremely troubled kid, and Pastor Paul was one of my usual go-tos. And regardless of how crazy the chaos was, myself would simplify it so so like I would go into his office so troubled and I'll leave feeling so stupid. Like I'll leave feeling like, why did you think about this yourself? Like why did you come all the way here for this mountain to tell you this thing and you look very stupid? You know, so he he and he'll tell me, I'll never give you fish, I'll teach you how to fish. He would always give me like half, he'll give you answers, but he would leave you with something to go and figure out. You know, then I'll go and come back and give him my understanding of what I figured out. And then he'll guide me if it's right or wrong. You get what I mean? So people like that, environments like that also helped me to be very patient, calculative, think thoroughly, accommodative. Um, I look at a lot of possibilities. I feel like I speak for myself, but I also want to probably say that I think that a lot of products of fountain were very unique wherever we go. We stand out in circles that we're in and I think it's a lot of things that we're 
putting us at a young age. You know, there's a very le- there's a strong level of determination and persistence that we have that that even in all the pressure, you still remember not to go out of a certain. You know, there's there's a level of madness you can you can explore. You know, there's, and I'm so grateful for it. You know, because I feel like it's the personal stuff I said I had to do. So never talked about this on camera to anybody. Never talked about it to anyone who is really not even close to me. You'll be shocked when I tell you as well. Um, but recently, I just finished a whole change of name. All right, I changed my name to. Um, you all knew me growing up as Michael Moore. Um Yeah. Um, I now identify as Olamide Olaito. Um, I was raised as an Edo boy, but I now identify as Ugun Ijebu from a grave. Backstory. Complicated childhood. My mom married a man, had four kids for him. Didn't go well. They split. She met another man. Had something with the man. Families interrupted. We resolved her issue with the previous man. Then she came back into the home with the previous man. And then she had me. So I was born into Umoru's home as an Umoru and raised as an Umoru. Then found out midway into my life that Mr. Umoru was actually not my biological dad. You know, so that messed with me mentally for I don't even know how long. Mentally, I don't know how long because random conversation of what state are you from i'll just go lost in thoughts i'll be asking myself damn really and truly what state are you from are you, Edo, are you, you know and it was crazy and when everything kind of went from bad to worse for me was in 100 level this story i told you about resuming school first semester bringing party to school and emptying the school and the night i threw that party in lagos that everybody came for for the night my biological father died. So I went back from club to Ogun State for my dad's funeral. He died Muslim. So that's burying the next day, or well, less than 24 hours. Yeah, my my biological dad. And just getting the whole circumstance around my story of origin, the complication about where I was raised from, where I am, where I'm from, etc. It all could have messed me up, but also once again, which is kind of why I give credit to Pastor Akbo, because of people like that, I was able to hold in such, under such pressures without losing my mind, if that makes any sense. You know, and for me, it's like, now I have a clear sense of where I'm from, who I am, my origin, my heritage, which is why I actively go back home to my hometown to do something every year. It's my way of reconnecting with my dad. Um, we didn't really have that much of a relationship. I knew of him, we spoke a couple of times, but I mean, I didn't grow up with him. So this is my own kind of little attachment to my origin. Um, so Alamidio Lighton is my new name. I'll show you my passport. Oh uh, yeah, that's what's on my on my identities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, sir. Allow me to light on my surname. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, touch on that. Yeah, because I feel like the reason why I also... Olaiton is the surname. Olamide Olaiton. So, the reason why I also... I mean, I, I guess one of the reasons why I also agreed to do this is because of information like this. Why? Because... 30 something years in my life, I've really never got to speak on this publicly. Um, a lot of people have questions in their heads about why I have so many names and identities and alter egos, and they don't know if I'm Michael, if I'm Lambie, if I'm Mori, if I'm Lighton. People call me Giddy Groove, they don't even know what my name is. They just stay with Giddy Groove for safety, you know. And I wouldn't want to discuss something like this on a random for what, you know. So, but for me, this is a very personal space. Um, you've known me since literally we were born, so literally, you know, so it's not hard for me, you know, and anybody that asks me now, I just say, oh, I'm over and watch Alter Daily interview because I can't explain it twice, like, I've told Alter Daily my pee, go and listen to it, you know, so for reference, all of you that are asking questions, I'm not a 419 guy, I'd not kill anybody, no fraud involved, my record is with immigrations, all my papers are intact, all my change of name documents are relevant, you can see them. But for anybody who's got questions, um, I very much love my Omoru dad and my family. He's still very much alive. We still spoke yesterday. You know, he raised me in this church godly way. Although tough love, but it's come up to be extremely useful for me in life. So I don't take it for granted at all. Um, but I still very much have realized and have identified and connected with where I'm originally from, who I originally am. Um, I'm a crown prince from my hometown. Um, they don't mess with me there. And, you know, I have my KBSC on speed dial. I do everything I want to do in my hometown. 13 years after my father's death, he's more, more of a legend every day. I go home and I get unnecessary access based on who he was. And it alarmed me for me because 13 years after, like you assume some people would have moved on with their lives, you know. So for me, even that in itself, every time I go back home and I hear a new story about my dad, I realize this life is really not about bags. It's really not about bags, you know, because there's people in my hometown that's 10 times richer than my dad. You know, my dad's funeral, I saw his junior staff pull up with mopos and G-wagons and stuff. My dad drove the carrier that the government gave him till he died. You know, there's people who are billionaires that died last year in my hometown. Nobody's talking about them today. 13 years after, I go to my hometown without telling the king I'm coming. I get to his gate and they tell the king, go and tell him this man's son is here and he'll come outside from his room. 13 years after in his grave. So, for me, even his life after death shows me a lot and it teaches me a lot. And it guides a lot of decisions that I make because at the end of the day, the things that you might kill for really and truly, are you going to take them to? You know, so... For me, I feel like my life in itself has made me... I guess people don't understand my person because I don't think I'm a normal human being. I don't think my experiences are very normal as well. I think that a lot of things that I've been through in life have made me who I am. And if you don't necessarily understand my journey, you won't fully understand my personality. You know, so a lot of people think I'm too old for my age mentally. And I kind of am because... I've been dealing with life problems and solving life problems from the age of seven, eight. Real life problems. Not, not I'm broke, I need pocket money. But you know what I mean? Like real life issues. Like who doesn't know their identity? Like, you know, real issues. You know, so I've, I've had to like pause, think, be patient, 
for so long. I've had to move out of my parents' house because I needed sanity and move to the streets and be independent. I've been paying rent for over 10 years. If I was living in my father's house, all that rent money, I would not buy a house for Ireland. You know, paying rent, paying salaries, still grinding, paying my own bills, you know, taking care of the people that I can in my own family. You know, doing all of these things and maintaining sanity in this same Lagos. You know, you know, and for me, like, to answer the question about how it felt, staying back, at the time, even at the time, I actually didn't regret it because I always felt like this time will come where everybody will go and come back and need a go-to guy. And I'll just make sure that my mindset is, if you're going to stay here, make sure while you're here, you're the best at whatever it is that can possibly be done so that anybody that goes and comes back if they need anything, they can reach out to me, you know. And it's happened like that over the last two, three years. A lot of my friends, a lot of people, all in better places now. I mean, even you, all in better positions now, coming back. Some people don't even know where to go and buy shoelace. Say, I give you how far where they sell this thing for Lagos. I just like, it's that simple, you know. And there's certain things you can break a bread off. There's certain things you can't, you know. But being the guy on ground has helped me find my way around the not just the industry but the environment fully you know all angles you know i know how the country works i know nothing that can happen in nigeria now can shake me really and truly like i'm i mean other than you need to travel most of us to calm your head down but i mean i'm born and bred here raised here traveled that many times i can count all the times i spent outside this country no to one year collectively you know so i have a lot of passion and hope and faith and belief in what Nigeria still can be. I'm one of those very few people, as frustrating as it can be. Um, and I believe that a lot of individuals like us can do so much from where we are, not necessarily until we get into the offices or even get into politics. If more comfortable people like us that have a voice, I can turn down the politicians' bribes and can eat without being sorted by any guy, can all come together, we'll do a lot more. Because the high, the high volume of masses can't do anything, even collectively. All they can do is exact balance. They can't do anything. So the few of us, the elites, that can eat, drive cars without government giving us money, let us be the ones that will stand and see them. What are going on? Yeah. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much.